Well, guess what? You picked the right Sunday to show up at Celebration Church because you're in at the very beginning. This is the first Sunday of our new series, Love Invasion. And uh, so I love the, the juxtaposition of these two words as something that's, something that's aggressive and something that is just, just so sweet and wonderful, the love invasion. And that's what Easter is about. That is what the resurrection is about. That is what the story of, of Jesus and what he is to us is a love invasion. So if you've got your version notes open, if you've got your bulletin open, let's just go ahead and crack that, crack those open, and let's just dig into this right now. Now we, uh, in our culture, we, we, we think of ourselves as connoisseurs of beauty. More and more things have to be beautiful. I mean, you, you can, when you go to buy a hair dryer now, when I was a kid, they were all white. And just, they just look like a, you know, now they're all fancy designs and they're multiple colors and they, they have all sorts of crazy stuff all over them and little, you can get them with sparklies or you can get them with all sorts of stuff. It's just a hair dryer. But we like beauty. We enjoy beauty. Graphic design has had to go to a whole new level. You used to, you could just put your name on something and now it has to be all fancy and thought out and, and, and beautiful. And we have all sorts of different desire of whether the ornate is beautiful or, the, or simple is beautiful. And we, we, we believe ourselves to be a connoisseur of beauty. But when we look at Christianity, sometimes we can miss what the beauty of Christianity and Jesus and the resurrection is all about. And we're going to dig into this so we don't miss it. Because as bloody and as gory as this weekend story is, it is beautiful. And it is wonderful. And it is, it is the, the pinnacle of our human existence. And everything's based on our response to this beautiful, beautiful moment. See, the beauty of God's love is not that he simply poured it out on those that love him. You and I can do that. You and I can do that. You and I can be nice to those that love them. In fact, waiters and waitresses, they kind of expect that. They be sweet to you and talk nice to you and keep your tea glass full and they expect a little bit of love poured back called a nice tip. We do that. You, that you don't be so good to me. My tea glass stays empty too long. You're rude to me and you put pickles on stuff and whoop, it's going to get messed up. Love is not going to flow as good. And... Uh, we understand this. Those that love us, we, we love back. It's just kind of the way that goes. And so, so as children of God and embracing that and we begin to understand that and that as we walk in a love relationship with God, it is, a, it is an awesome, awesome thing. But we have to remember, and, that, and it's beautiful, but we have to remember how this story started. That it didn't start about, about Him loving us and us loving Him right back. All nice and sweet and love at first sight with God. That is, not, that is not this story. That's mine and my wife's story, but that's not our story with, that's not our story as humanity with our Creator. See, the beauty in this story is the fact that <clears throat> the beauty of God's love is that He had chosen and has chosen to pour out His love and His forgiveness and His acceptance on those that were His enemies, those that stood against Him. That's the beauty of Good Friday is that Jesus 
took that beating out of love. Hate was being poured out on him. Even those that were tight with him and close to him abandoned him. Those that were the most bold and said, Jesus, I'll die next to you. I've got your back. Boom, gone. That guy actually said, I don't know that blankety-blank man. Dropped some four-letter words just to distance himself from Jesus. Just to prove I'm not with that holy guy. And there he is alone and he takes it and he does it willingly out of love. It's love. It is about, it's about him pouring it out on those that despised him. That's the beautiful thing. Guess what? If you're here and you got drug here this morning, like, well, it's Easter and so-and-so twisted my arm and they said that we would go. If you're here and you feel some animosity towards God, guess what? He doesn't feel it towards you. He doesn't feel it towards you. There's some tension on your end between you and God. He loves you. He's not responding to you the way you're responding to him. Isn't that a beautiful thing? That's what this is about. We expect it. Well, I'm kind of ticked with God right now. Well, guess what? He's loving enough to handle it. He'll be there as you process. It is a beautiful, that is the beautiful story. And it is a surprising story. Because we don't necessarily respond that way. Somebody comes at us, we will go back. Something kind of surprises us. I've, I've been a part of a few surprises. And it hasn't always ended in making people really happy with me. So when I was getting my pilot's license, I took a buddy of mine up. And he was, I was still with, my, with an instructor guy. And he sat in the back seat. So we're doing some maneuvers. And I didn't realize that he was feeling a little uh, airsick. So he decides to handle it as best he can. He just goes to sleep. So I see him in the back. He doesn't have a headset on. Me and the other guy have a headset on. And I'm like, well, this punk goes to sleep on my flying. This is, I've taken him up in the air. This is supposed to be exciting. He's supposed to be looking out and going, this is pretty awesome. So I was like, all right. Told the, the other pilot, I said, watch this. And we just get it up into a nice little climb. He doesn't notice it. And I go, wham! And he comes off of his seat and he feels like the plane is falling out of the sky. That's what he wakes up to. It's like death is happening at this moment. And as soon as he realizes that everything's okay and he sees us, he can't hear us laughing, but he sees us laughing. Um, when we got on the ground, he was not super happy with me. It was a, it was a negative response. I kind of threw him a negative and I, and I kind of got a negative back. One time I decided to do a little surprise to my mom and got one of those little explosive things that have little strings on them. And I attached it to her bedroom door right at head height. She opens her bedroom door. Boom! My mom was not happy. She normally has a pretty good sense of humor about things. She wasn't, she wasn't happy. It was not a, a positive response to that. That's actually kind of understandable. My dad hates snakes, doesn't like snakes. Ended up with a taxidermied, coiled-up rattlesnake. One day they had uh, unwisely not made their bed. So I just pulled those unmade sheets back, put the rattlesnake in, laid it over. My dad comes in. Thankfully, I wasn't home. <laughs> Thankfully, I wouldn't be here today. We'll be having this wonderful time. And uh, I walked in, and uh, my mom's like glaring at me. Like she cannot believe that I had done what I did. I saw that snake in the trash can sitting on the top, and I did not touch it. 
That snake got tied up and thrown away. I was like, I'm sorry, that was bad. It was, I had, that surprise was, was I, I came with, I thought it was funny, but a little bit of negative, and there was the predictable negative response. See, our little lives are the sin and the stuff. It isn't just a little practical joke. It isn't, oh God, I'm just having some fun. I'm just goofing with you. The Bible says that our sin separates us from God. And it demands a death. And if it's not dealt with, it's our death. And see, and the cool thing is that, that, that while we were enemies, man, God has a totally different response. A totally different response. Let's look at Romans 5. Romans 5 verse 8 says, But God demonstrated His own love for us in this, that while we were sinners... Christ died for us since we have now been justified by his blood. How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? If we're the friend of God, this works. If we're the enemy of God, this works. Guess what? That covers all of us in this room. I don't care where you fall right at this very second. It covers you. It is, in, it is beautiful. It is beautiful that he was willing to give that kind of response. Justice said that he didn't have to. Love says he chose to. And the name of this first part of this message is, this first message is behind enemy lines. Because that's what the story of, of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection is is that we were trapped by death. You know, some people think, you know, that you, know, that you, that you are like that you're sin and at some point you slip into the powers of hell. No, we are born bound. We're born in it. We're born there. Death is already where we're going. We're born in the place of death. And Jesus came so we can step over from death into life so that we don't have to be in that place anymore. And so because we were captives of death, because we were captives of sin, somebody had to go in and deal with it. Well, guess what? You and I and every other believe, every other person on the face of the planet were all stuck in the same place. We were all there. We could not rescue ourselves. One of us couldn't rescue. We couldn't rescue each other. So the beauty of it is that Jesus left that right hand of God comes to earth, lives, and has this ultimate covert assignment and comes in and pays the penalty for you and I so that we could be rescued from that place. See, it was covert because the enemy was clueless. The enemy had no idea what was happening. We know this from 1 Corinthians 2.8. It says, none of the rulers of this age, and, and, and if you've looked at the scriptures at all, you know that phrase is referring to, the, to Satan and the demonic powers, that none of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Satan didn't realize that he was setting us free by by sacrificing Jesus. He didn't realize that that was what was happening. He thought he was winning. He thought he was, he was doing it. He thought he was, he, was, he was scoring the winning goal. And there he was. Had punched it through the wrong deal. Anybody ever uh, seen that kind of thing happen? 
See little kids get overexcited in the heat of it and they, they boom, kick it through the goal or shoot it through the wrong goal and they're running around celebrating and everybody else is like, no, no, wrong one. Except the other team, they're like all excited. That was what happened. That was what happened. The enemy thought that he had totally won it. He, we talked last week about the fact he'd been trying to kill Jesus for a while. That he'd had people taking him and, and they were going to throw him off the edge of the cliff. And he just ooh, passes right through. He, and it wasn't until his assignment was fully completed. And he did it. His covert assignment, like any other covert assignment. You can almost hear the Mission Impossible music rolling This is your assignment if you choose to accept it. And Jesus accepted it. Let's look at John 10, 18. It says, no one, this is Jesus talking, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. That he was going to go in and he was going to lay his life down for you and I and he was going to take it up again. And today... We celebrate the fact that the, that the grave and sin and all that did not win. It didn't win. We have access to our Heavenly Father because of that. See, Revelations 1.18. This is Jesus talking again. He says, I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. <clears throat> and then 1 John 3.1 says, How great, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. See, Jesus went in. He went on this covert secret mission to rescue his enemies and turn us into family. That was the whole point. That's the whole point. It's a beautiful thing is, is he did it so that we could have a relationship with him. That's why this, this, this deal with God isn't just this one-time moment. We're going to have a moment at the end of this service. But that isn't this one-time, click the check mark, it's done, it's over. No, it's we're to have a relationship with God. It changes everything. It opens it up. It's not just, thank you, God, that from a distance you did this cool thing from me, and now, now it's, it's over and I go on and I live my merry life. No, He did it so we can have a relationship. It changes Everything. In fact, the mission of the cross and the resurrection was a mission of peace. So we think of this like military thing of invasion as in this come in and, and dominate and take over and uproot in this tyrannical deal. I think that's why some people are a little bit afraid to say yes to the relationship with God. I think some people, that may be you today. You may think that God's going to come in and be some sort of tyrant in your life. That now all of a sudden to say yes to, to, say yes to him means that all of a sudden that he's going he's to come in and he's going to rip all the, the fun and meaningful stuff out of your life. No, there will be some things that begin to fall off as you begin to walk in this love relationship with him and obedience to him. But you know what? It's gonna, it is adding meaningfulness to your life. And it's removing anything that brings death or destruction. That is what this is about. Is it, a, it is a mission of peace. He invades our life so that the craziness can be brought and be steadied by His presence. That 
is what this is about. See, this invasion wasn't about starting a war. It was about ending one. There was this tension, this, this animosity there. I was at this place. I was at this place of a key moment in my own life. I've shared this with y'all before, but the, the summer uh, before my senior year in high school, I'd been raised in church and, and had some uh, significant experiences with God. My parents had, had, had raised me right and had done the, 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 the things that parents should do of training, them, training the child up in the way it should go. But, of course, each of us have to, to make our own decisions. We have to do that. And I was then in the valley of decision. And I went to, to youth camp with my church. And I went to youth camp for the wrong reasons and just to, to go and find girls from other states and, and uh, you know, get numbers and have fun. And, and uh, that didn't work very well. And uh, it was, a, yeah, it was a big dud. And uh, uh, anyways, and so uh, over and over and again, the Holy Spirit kept working on me. And finally, I have this, this, this moment that I am just, I'm just done with it. I'm just done with it. And the Holy Spirit is, is speaking to me, and, and I know I need to say yes to Him. And finally, I'm just through, and I just pop up. I just leave. Like if I was sitting back there, and I just jump up and just walk out, and just, whoo, head to the parking lot or something. We were on a college campus, and I end up on the baseball field. And um, so I'm out there, and I'm just, ah, oh, I'm just upset. And I find myself yelling at the sky. And in my yelling, it's just raw, mad, 17-year-old knucklehead yelling. I'm cussing. I'm doing all this stuff, talking just directly to God, like, leave me alone. I don't want this. Because in my mind, I thought it was going to rip all this away, and this tyrannical God was going to invade my life, and, and I was going to become some sort of this christian puppet that i didn't like and and paste on some sort of fake smile and be some sort of sorry hypocrite and i didn't want anything to do with any of that and there was this tension of my preconceived ideas and what he was actually going to lead me in and finally i began to realize and say yes to him and my life changed forever in that moment now i can tell you this right now this church is going to be patient with you if you walk this line, if you say this, if you make these decisions, because I just have to be raw, honest truth for about a year and a half. If you would have, if you would have looked at my life, you would have said that nothing happened there. If you'd have just been on the outside, you'd have said nothing happened. Brandon Clark had this little emotional moment at camp. He did this and nothing happened because my language didn't change. My life didn't change and a bunch of my choices didn't change. But as I was crying out to God on a more regular basis, I was praying to Him. I was being honest. I wasn't being fake about it. I was allowing Him to really change me and really do it. And you know what? We're okay with that. In fact, we believe that is a healthier way forward. To try to paint on this fake idea of what a good little person ought to be doesn't get us anywhere. Let's be truthful. Let's be honest. God loves you where you're at. And He loves you so much, He will take you forward from there. And we're going to be patient. We're going to be patient with each other. We have to. We can't pick each other apart. He's on a mission of peace, folks. He started that way. Luke 2.14 says, Glory to God in the highest. This is Jesus' announcement, His birth announcement. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom His favor rests. At this moment, there is still the power of sin and death there. 
And you could have just as easily at this moment when this is declared said, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace to God's enemies on whom his favor rests. You could just as easily have said that because men and God's enemies were equivalent. But because of what Jesus did, it turned it around. He's on a mission of peace. Colossians 1, 19 through 20 says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on the earth or things in the heavens, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. See, God's got a different picture of you than you have right now. He sees the end work. He sees the completed thing. And we have to be willing to embrace that because, folks, the invasion is complete. He's invaded. He's paid the price. We're no longer enemies to God. We simply must trust that He has done it and allow His love to completely, completely invade us and to make us new. That's where it is. It's not, oh, I've paid this, I gave my boy, now you better toe the line. Some people see Christianity that way. I paid this big price. You better toe the line. No. Ah. If we could toe the line, he wouldn't have sent his son to begin with. He wouldn't have. He wouldn't have. But we can't. Not on our own. But with his power alive in us, his power alive on the inside of us, it changes everything. Colossians 1, 22, 21 through 22. Oh, you can go ahead and come. See, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Once we were alienated, not anymore. And enemies in our minds because of our evil behavior. See, that's kind of the last stronghold here. It's what's happening in your head, what's happening in your mind. God says he's not a, you're not an enemy anymore. He's paid the price with his son. But you can't be an enemy in your mind. You've got to let go of that. Yeah, we were alienated. Yeah, we, we deserved something else. But because of Jesus, we get something else. And we have to let this thing go and let him create a new picture of who we are alive in him. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. We've got a song and a video. In my heart, you've made your home. 
know that you're alive. I'm coming alive. You call me one of your own. In my heart, you've made your home. I know that you're Coming alive, coming alive, coming alive, and we will make it know Jesus is alive, He's alive, and we will shout it out. Jesus is alive. He's alive. To all the dry and weary souls, take joy, take heart, be filled with hope. I know that He is alive. To all the, to all the ones. Who have no hope? Get up and run. We're going home. I know that He's alive. I'm coming alive. Coming alive. Coming alive. And we. says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All of this is from God. All of it's from him. 
We don't add anything to it. Who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. See, folks, Jesus blasted through every barrier to us having a relationship with God. The sin barrier, the grave barrier, the death barrier, all of those different things. He blasted through them so that you and I could have a relationship with him. But there's one place, there's one place that he doesn't intrude himself. There's one place where you and I have to participate See, Revelations 3.20 says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Our hero was in a far off land. And he came through and battled every obstacle and stands right now at our door. We don't got to meet him at the border. You don't got to meet him at the edge of town. He's blasted through every obstacle and he stands at our door. And he knocks. And that's the place where we act. And it's simply embracing it. It's simply saying, yes, I believe you lived. I believe you died. I believe you rose from the grave. And I believe you did it for me. And that that is the only way that I can be right with God and have new life. That's it. Uh, declaring those things, we embrace what he's done and our new life begins. If you're already in that process, then let him invade the next piece. You've let him in the front door, he's knocking. He's knocking, he's knocking on your kitchen door, he's knocking on your bedroom door, he's knocking on the next place, going a little deeper. This morning, let the resurrection life of God invade every piece of who you are. Let's just keep saying yes. This morning, I want us to just take a quiet moment. And let's do this. God's got a different picture of us. We see one thing, He sees another. Let's embrace that other picture today. While nobody's looking around, let's just, let's just do this now. If you want to embrace that, I want you to just lift your hand. And we're going to pray with you.